Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. So good to see you. So glad that you're uh, down here at uh, Southland this week and uh, looking forward to have a great time together and just want to introduce myself to you. My name is Ron DeGard and uh, I'm just curious, how many of you have never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand? Okay, wow, a lot of you, okay? So I apologize in advance. And uh, you probably wouldn't have come if you know that it was me speaking to you. Uh, but we're gonna have a great time together. I am so glad that you're here. And uh, how many of you, this is your first time here at Southland Christian Camp? Let me see your hand. Okay, wow, a lot of you. Let me tell you, you're in a great place. And uh, this is like a second home uh, to us as we uh, feel. I had the privilege to work here uh, year round back in the year uh, 2000. I spent Y2K here at Southland. And uh, I'd say you're in a great place. I'm excited that you're here. And uh, these next few days, really, these could be the greatest days of your year. They really could be. I'm so glad that you're here and uh, looking forward to have a great, great time together. You're in a, a great place. We're going to have a lot of fun and uh, just a lot of great things that are playing for you. So we're really looking forward to have a great weekend uh, together. Uh, let me just ask, how many of you, uh, you go to public school? Let me see your hand. You go to public school, okay? And there's a lot of you. I went to public school, uh, you know, all the way to 12th grade, and then I went to Bible college and thought I was on a different planet when I got there. And uh, there were people I didn't even know existed you know, and uh, I tell you, it was all new to me, and so, but I went to public school, so I know some of the challenges that you face, and, and, uh, and so how many of you, you go to Christian school, let me see your hand, you go to Christian school, okay, there's several of you, we have a Christian school at the church that I base out of at a Bible Baptist church uh, down in uh, Matthews, North Carolina, it's in the Charlotte area, and so we kind of know a little bit of the struggles and uh, the challenges that you face, and also the great blessings of being in a Christian school, and uh, my kids jump in and out of the school as we homeschool. We travel around the country and uh, live in a fifth wheel trailer, but my kids are able to jump into the school a little bit um, when we come home, and so we always enjoy that as well. How many of you are homeschooled? Let me see your hand. You're homeschooled. Okay. All right. You're 12 and you're graduating. Whoa. So he's 12 and he's graduating next year. That is so wrong. So uh, we homeschool all of our kids. And so uh, I have, uh, we have an oar in those waters as well. And, uh, and so I'm so glad that you're here. Looking forward to have a great, great time together. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Would you do that with me tonight? 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And uh, just trust that the services we have together will be a, a special blessing to you. And uh, really that you'll leave Southland with a greater love 
love for the Lord Jesus Christ and when he came. We just trust that these few days will just be a shot in the arm to you, that you can go home and that you can live for the Lord. And uh, this will be a great, great blessing and a help to you. Would you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26? And we're gonna begin our reading in verse number one. The Bible says this, then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. And they built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and two years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name also was Jochaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Man, wouldn't it be great at the end of 2020, a year from right now, that you could look back and say, God, I have prospered spiritually more this year than any year of my life. You're gonna find out how to do that out of this text of scripture. Tonight, I wanna preach to you a very simple message entitled, The Powerful Pitfall of Pride. Father, would you help us as we come to this story? Father, you have included a story in your scriptures that contain the the details of this man, Uzziah, and how you used him tremendously. He had so much potential, and yet, uh, Lord, he got too big in his own eyes, and there was a day where he thought he didn't need you anymore. And God, I pray that you would deliver us from that ever happening in our own life. As we read this story of Uzziah, we just think about how much you could have used him and and the things that you could have done with him. And and yet we read of a tragic ending in his life. Lord, there are so many young people here tonight that you could use in such a tremendous way. I pray that you would help them to do the opposite, really, of how Uzziah started and or how he ended, that, that, that they could finish the way that he started. And God, would you use these young people in a tremendous, in a mighty way. Thank you in advance for what you'll do. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you look down at 2 Chronicles 26, we're going to take a look at this man, Uzziah, and this powerful pitfall <coughs> of pride. Would you look at his, uh, first of all, notice number one in verse one, his promotion. We see his promotion in verse one. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room, or in the place of, or in the stead of, his father, Amaziah. And the Bible says he built Eloth. So number one, you see his promotion. That at the age of 16 years old, he took the place of his father as king, and we see his promotion to be a king. Now, he served 52 years, and of those 52 years, 24 of them was as a co-regent with his dad. And then he ruled 18 years on his own, and the last 10 years of his life, he was a co-regent. His son ruled with him, and you're going to see why he couldn't finish out those last 10 years. But you see in verse one, you see his promotion, and so Chronicles 26 and verse 1, how he was promoted to be a king. And notice the Bible says that he was 16 years old. You know what, gang? He was a teenager just like you. And God used him incredibly. 
at 16 years old. God was doing some things with him that his predecessors could never do, and we're gonna take a look at it in just a moment. God's hand was on this young man, and he was using him incredibly. Could I just pause right here and tell you that you don't have to wait till you go to college before God could do some great things with you. You don't have to wait until you graduate from college before really I can make a difference for God. Could I just tell you right now, God can use you tremendously right now as a teenager. You don't have to sit there and wait for some magical thing to happen or to you to pass some, some specific birthday before the power of God could rest on you. God could use you in the heart of that kid whose locker is five down from yours. God could use you tremendously in your Christian school or in your public school and lead other people to Jesus Christ. The scripture says, let no man despise thy youth. Listen, gang, stop wasting your life and just living from one fun thing to the next fun thing. Man, get in the game. Let God have control of your life and you can see some amazing things happen just like he started to do with this man, Uzziah. And so at age 16 years old, God began to use him really in a tremendous way and God could use you. Let me tell you, the potential in this room is simply amazing. Man, do you realize if God could take 120 in the upper room and he turned the world upside down for the glory of God, what could God do with the young people in this room if you just sell out to him? And he's 16 years old and God began to use him in a tremendous way. Listen, don't pass your teenage years and just sit idly by. Man, let God use you, surrender to him, give him everything, bow to the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ and he could use you in some tremendous ways. But notice in verse one, we see his promotion. But notice in verses two through five, now we see his prosperity. Would you look at verse two? The Bible says he built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Now, when it talks about restoring Eloth, you probably read that and you kind of gloss over it and think, well, big deal. I don't even know what Eloth is. But when you really realize what was going on, man, this was incredible. Eloth was the southernmost part of the nation of Israel. It was a seaport that led out to the Gulf of Aqaba. And really, anybody who controlled that seaport, now you had trade going all the way to the Far East. You know, that opened up all of the trade to India, to China, all that direction. And so that was a very strategic port. Solomon gained it, his dad lost it, and now he is conquering ground that some of the kings before him could never take. He not only conquers it, he takes Eloth, he restores it. All of the trade began to open back up again. I mean, this was an incredible, significant thing. If this kid never did anything in his regency, man, this would have been significant. But the Bible says, as we look at his prosperity, that he built Eloth and restored it. In verse number three, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Jochelai of Jerusalem. Verse four, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Guess what? All of you have the same decision that Uzziah had. Every single one of you, you're gonna have to decide what you're doing with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're gonna have to make this same decision. You know what his decision was? Man, I'm gonna do what's right in the sight of the Lord. And every single one of you, you're gonna have this same choice this coming year, this weekend. What are you gonna do with the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ? But he chose to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. Praise God for a dad 
who modeled what godly obedience looked like. Could I just pause right here just for a moment? Some of you come from a good Christian home and you've got a mom and dad that love you and they know the Lord, they're saved and they love God. Let me tell you, you ought to praise God every day for that. You ought to praise God every day for that. And you may think, oh, my mom and dad, they don't let me do this or they make me do this or we have this rule in our family. And yeah, praise God, you have some parents that love you enough to show you what Christ means in her life. And I tell you, there's a lot of people that are friends of mine that I know that they grow up in homes that the parents don't love God. There's physical abuse, there's sexual abuse. There's all types of things going on in the home. Let me tell you, you may sit here and you may not be right with a mom and dad and you've been griping and you've been complaining and you've just had an awful raunchy spirit about your mom and dad. Praise God, you have parents who are saved because there's a lot of people who don't have that. But there is a dad that chose to do what's right and his son followed. Could I just say, every one of you, you're leaving a legacy. There are people that are gonna follow you. There are people that are watching you. You may not think so. There are people that are watching you in your school and your youth groups, and you have far more influence than you really realize. Could I ask you, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Man, here was a dad that chose to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord and his son followed after him. And wouldn't it be great if, if, if the son of Uzziah, he did the same thing and saw his dad and he lived for God and then the, the grandson after that and his son after that. And wouldn't it be great if there was generation after generation of people that would live for God and you know what it all starts with? What kind of legacy are you leaving right now? He just don't get to be like 80 years old and have this long life of godliness and leave a legacy of obedience. You know what? It starts right now. Every one of you are writing your story. But he had a dad that chose to do what was right, and so Amaziah followed in his steps. And look at verse five, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Now this is a different Zechariah that bears the... Uh, uh, that was the prophet that bore, that bore his name, the Zechariah, the book of Zechariah in scripture. This is a different Zechariah. And so um, he had understanding of the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. The Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, that word he sought the Lord, it means to seek with care, to investigate or really to evaluate something, to examine something, to take something up closely and to look at it and to study it. And you know what, that is exactly, he had a, he had a special prophet of the Lord named Zechariah who was giving him the word of God. And as long as he sought it, as long as he examined it, as long as he did whatever the word of God told him to do, man, there was a prosperity that came to his life. Now this isn't talking about having riches and driving the Hummer and having the porch. It's talking about a spiritual prosperity. And we really, we see this all throughout the Bible. In Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then the scripture says, then shall thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. In James 1 and 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he not being a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, that man, God singles him out, that man shall be blessed and his deeds in Psalm 1. The Bible says, happy or blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in ESPN. <laughs> nope, didn't say that. 
his delights in the law of the Lord. The scripture says that he meditated at day and night and his tree was planted by the rivers of water and the Bible says, and whatsoever you do it shall prosper. And, and there's a prosperity that comes when you just seek this book, you obey it, and you submit to the godly leadership of your mom and dad. You know, half of you, your problems would totally be wiped away if you just obeyed God and followed the godly example of your mom and dad. As long as this kid did that, God made him to prosper, how about you? If I were to talk to your mom and dad for five minutes, what would they tell me about your relationship with them? If I could talk to God for five minutes, what would he tell me about your relationship with him? Man, obeying your mom and dad, following their steps, and immersing yourself into the scriptures. I'm telling you, this is what brings a power in your life. <clears throat> we see this young man's promotion, and then we begin to see his prosperity as we begin to come into a new year in 2020. You know what? One of the greatest decisions that you can make is for you, just like Uzziah, for you to commit that you are going to submit yourself. You're going to seek, inquire with care, and you're going to study diligently the Word of God. If you'd be willing to make that just one decision, I'm telling you, 2020 could be the greatest year of your life. And we see his promotion, we see his prosperity. He obeyed his parents and he obeyed the scriptures as it was relayed to him through Zechariah. And you know what, all of us, we don't have our own personal prophet that is giving us direct revelation, but the scripture says we have a more sure word of prophecy and it's right here in this book. Everything that you need for 2020 is right here in this book. God's word is more relevant than tomorrow's newspapers. When you read this book, this book reads you and there is a power that is in it and God can use it to change your life. And so you see, number one, this man's promotion, you see his prosperity and you can prosper too spiritually if you obey God, his word, and follow the godly example of your parents. But look at his power. We see this in verses 6 through 14. Look at what God starts to do with this young man, very simple, that he just submitted to God, followed the godly example of his parents or of his father. And notice what happens. First of all, you see his power over his foes. In verse 6, and he went forth and he warred against the Philistines and he break down the wall of Gath. By the way, you know who lived in Gath? That was Goliath. I mean, he's walking into Goliath's city, breaking down the walls. He broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabneth and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. So you read this and you think, you know, Gath, uh, Ashdod, these cities, you know, what in the world? You know, it's not that big of a deal. Let me tell you, this was a huge deal and I'll tell you why. These cities were located in a sea coastal plain along the Mediterranean on the Via Maris. That is the way of the sea. It's a major trade route that people would walk on and they would travel from Egypt all the way around the Mediterranean to get up to Greece, to get up to Rome, and to get up to Italy. And so this was a major thoroughfare. Whoever controlled that, you controlled the trade in the region. In the New Testament, this is exactly why Rome is in Jerusalem. They didn't want to pay tax from having to go through this area. So you know what? They just took it over. So now they controlled it. So really, whoever controlled this, these cities along the 
the Via Maris, they controlled a lot of trade. So not only did he conquer Eloth, Eloth and he rebuilt it, now he takes Ashdod and he takes Jabneth and he takes, and he, and, and he takes uh, all of these cities and Gath and now uh, they, they operate and they control all the trade that's in that area. But notice how he conquered his foes. And we see this at the end of, at the beginning of verse seven, and God helped him against the Philistines. That word helped is the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament concept of the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And so God's hand was on this man over all of his foes. In verse seven, and God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal, and they were nomads, and the Mehunims, and the Ammonites in verse eight, those were the descendants of Lot. The Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad even to the entering of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. So all the enemies that they had, all the Ammonites and all these other foreign countries, now they're all bowing down to the power of this 16-year-old boy, really that's the power of God on his life. So you see the power that was against his foes, but look at his power that's noted in his fortifications that he built, beginning in verse 9. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate. What's so important about the corner gate, look at chapter 25 and verse 23, probably just one page over. In chapter 25 and verse 23, and Joash, the king of Israel, took an Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoash, of Beshemoth, and brought him to Jerusalem and break down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. You know what? His dad lost a battle. His dad was the king and lost Jerusalem and part of the wall of Jerusalem Jerusalem, that corner gate was broken down. So Jerusalem gets taken over. This kid rises to power. They gain Jerusalem back, and he's rebuilding things that kings before him lost and couldn't keep. God's hand was greatly upon this man. Notice some of the other fortifications that he built and turning the wall and fortify them. Verse 10, he built towers in the desert and he digged many wells for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains and the husbandmen also in vine dressers in the mountains and at Carmel for he loved husbandry. He was a lover of the soil, literally is what they meant. Uh, this guy had a green finger. He loved to grow things. And so really uh, it, it's amazing. A lot of the fruit in Europe that people consume, you know what? It comes from Israel. You ever go to Israel, it is amazing. These Jewish people, they are growing crops in the middle of the desert. They are so resourceful and it's almost like God's hand is on them and, 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 and really that's what he's doing. And he's, he's, uh, grow, he's building all of these uh, towers and he's digging wells and, and, uh, and, and, and they're planting all of these things. And, and we also see in verse 11, moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men. You see his power exhibited against his foes. You see Uzziah's power in the fortifications that he built, you see his power again uh, through his fighters and through the people that fought with him. Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands, according to the number of their account by the hand of Jael the scribe, Messiah the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. So he had 2,600 men of valor. These weren't just normal soldiers, there were more of those, but 
men of valor, these were like the special forces. This is 2,600 now that would be in like our Navy SEALs or that would be in, in our Army Rangers. Uh, these are 2,600 men who really were trained fighters in their special forces in verse 13. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,000 and 500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against them. There were 300 and almost 8,000 soldiers that he had, let alone the 2,600 and special forces. You see his power that was exhibited against his foes and the fortifications that he built and his fighters, but look at his power and his firepower that he wielded. Look at verse 14. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and harbogens. Harbogens, that was a coat of mail. He's passing out armor to these people that are fighting and bows and slings to cast stone. Look at verse 15. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And you're like, whoa, is that talking about catapults? Now, we don't see catapults entering into the common day warfare of that time until 400 BC. <clears throat> and so a lot of commentators believe that it wasn't catapults, but you know what it could have been? God could have gifted these cunning men to create catapults, and that's maybe where it came from. And they had a weapon that nobody had for hundreds of years. There are other commentators who believe that these were actually wood frames with screens on them that would hold shields, and that the archers would hide behind them, or guys that would cast slings. And uh, and so that they would have some kind of protection as they stood on the wall. And so really, whatever it was, this gave them a huge military advantage. They had weaponry nobody else had. And notice what it says about this at the end of verse number 15. And the Bible says, And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Here's this 16-year-old. You see his promotion. You see the prosperity. And now you begin to see the power. I mean, this 16-year-old kid, he would literally give the word, cities would be conquered, cities would be torn down, cities would be raised up again. He was digging wells. He was restoring all of the farming uh, back to Israel. Really, he, in a certain sense, could I say it this way, he was making Israel great again. And God was using this young man incredibly, the Bible says, till he was strong. You see his promotion, you see his prosperity, you see his power, but number four, would you take a look at his pride? Would you look at verse 16? But when he was strong. In the Hebrew, we call this a, a tail head linkage. And what that means is the same verb that ends a paragraph is the same Hebrew verb that starts the second paragraph. And so really, and the scripture says he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And verse 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. He was seeing some incredible things happen and somehow he thought he was the one doing it. And he became very big in his eyes and God became very small. He basically got to the point where he would say, you know what, no thanks God, I'm good. Huh. No thanks God, you know what, I can handle this myself. None of us would ever say that to God, but that is exactly how a lot of us in this room, we live life. Yeah. 
You have some natural gifts and some natural talents and you just kind of roll through life and, and you just kind of depend on yourself and you just kind of just go through life and, and, and you know what? He was like, no thanks God, I'm good. This was a man who was defeated by his victories. God marvelously helped him. There's probably not another man in scripture that was so marvelously helped by God but this man. And he got too big for God. And he said, God, you scoot over. Let me be in charge. Pride started to enter into his head. You know what, God, I don't need you anymore. Would you look at verse 16? But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction for he transgressed. That's a word that's most often used for sin in, in, uh, second, in first and second chronicles. It means really to become unfaithful or to be rebellious. And he transgressed against the Lord God. And he went to the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. <clears throat> this was really an operation that was only supposed to be performed by the high priest. Now, he knew the book of Numbers. He was the king. He knew the law. He knew Leviticus. He knew that only the high priest was supposed to offer incense upon that altar of incense. But you know what? Being the king wasn't enough for him. He became discontent where God had placed him. You know what, God? There are some other things that I want that you're not giving to me. You know, you're withholding something that I really want. You know what, God? I'm just going to go and live however I want. Could I say that there could be some young people in this room, you've become discontent with right where God put you. And maybe you're discontent with your family or you're discontent with maybe your job or you're discontent with just right where God had put you and you're like, you know what, God? There's so many other things that I want. You know, you're withholding things from me. And you just say, you know what, God? Forget you. I'm just gonna go out and live life however I want and get every pleasure that I can get. You're just like this man Uzziah and your pride is going to your head. No, thank, no, no, thanks, God. I don't need you. I'll just live life however I want. He was to, trying to perform, really, uh, uh, something that was not for the king, and he was stepping out of the bounds that God had put him in, and really, he was disregarding the clear word of God. And notice what happens in verse 17, and Azariah the priest went in. So you gotta understand something about Uzziah. Uzziah was his ruling name, Azariah was his given name. That was his birth name. And Uzziah means Jehovah is my strength. Azariah means Jehovah has helped. And so again, there's probably not another man that God had helped more, uh, more than this man Uzziah. And so he used his ruling name because now here's a high priest that has the same name as Uzziah. Azariah is his given name. And so here's this high priest named Azariah as we meet him in verse 17. And Azariah the priest went in after him. So he's going in to burn incense upon the altar. Azariah the high priest realizes, you know what? He shouldn't be in there. So Azariah goes, goes in there after him and with him four score priests of the Lord. So 80 other guys are going with Azariah and they were valiant men and look at verse 18 and they withstood Uzziah. You know what? They could have said, you know what? This is the king. This is the man that can execute us. This is the leader of our nation. You know what? We're really not, can't do anything against him. Listen, these 80 men in Azariah were so in love with God, they didn't care who it was. 
and they went in there, and the Bible says in verse 18, and they withstood him. And they said unto him, and appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn. Listen, this isn't your office. You know what, Uzziah, stay in your lane that God put you in. He says, you ought to go out of the, go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. He didn't, Uzziah didn't care anything about the glory of God. He was living for one person. He was living for himself. And as I read this text, I thought, praise God for this man, Azariah, who was willing to take a stand for righteousness, even when it meant that guy could have been killed. You know what God's looking for in some of your youth groups and in your churches and in your schools? He's looking for some more Azarias. He's looking for some more kids that would be so in love with God you could care less what the crowd says and you would be willing to stand up and take a stand for righteousness. And when you get in the car and they pop in the wicked godless music that glorifies immorality, drug abuse, and all kinds of other smut scraped off the walls of hell, let me tell you, uh, we need some kids who would take a stand and for you to be light and salt to those people. When you walk into your friend's room, he hands you his iPad and he's got pornography on and he's just swiping through all the images. We need some Azariahs who will take a stand with that. And you could be one of them. Hezariah and these 80 men, they go in and they confront Uzziah, but at that time, man, it's too late. And you know what the scripture says in Proverbs 16? It says, pride always brings a man low. And you know the scriptures, that a haughty spirit, uh, the scripture says, pride goeth before a fall and a ha- and a ha- before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Would you look at verse number 19? You see his pride there, and they withstood him. And verse 19, then Uzziah was wroth. He got angry. Gang, when pride always goes to your head, eventually it goes to your heart. He got so mad. I'll tell you one of the reasons why some of the kids in this room, you are so angry at a mom and dad. You're so angry at a brother or sister or to family member is because you are so in love with yourself. And nobody else matters but you. And if you don't get your way, then they're an enemy, that they're a threat, and you're just so angry. When pride goes to your head, man, it goes straight to your heart. You've seen his promotion, his prosperity, his power, and his pride. But fifthly, would you consider in verse 19, notice his punishment. Then Uzziah was wroth, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. Tell you, when you study the scriptures and you look at all the times that pride comes up in scripture where people were more in love with themselves than the glory of God, you know what you always see? That God's punishment on pride was always swift, it was always severe, and it was sudden. The incense, the altar, uh, 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 the, the incense was still in his hand and, uh, and God struck this man. I mean, it came on suddenly. 
Notice in verse 20, and Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests, as they looked upon him, that, that they became leprous in his forehead. In verse 21, and Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and he dwelt in a several house. That literally means a separate house. You know what they would do for guys that had leprosy? That they would take all the lepers and they would put them on the outside, really, of those cities or where they were dwelling, and they had to live in separate tents or separate housing Leprosy really was a disease. It was so heinous because this disease would actually begin to eat away part of your body. And it became so bad with some of them that it would eat part of their face away and their body. You could see parts of their skeleton and they're still walking and they're still living. It, it literally is like a walking dead person. And, and it became so hor horrific that they didn't want the kids to see this and, and really was so uh, contagious and anybody could get it. That's why, man, that they just, have you ever heard we're gonna avoid you uh, just like a leopard? They would put them away in these separate houses. God's judgment on this man, man, it was definitive. It was swift, it was sudden, and it was severe. Notice that first of all, he was separated, that he had to live in the separate house. And uh, notice also number two, that he was shamed. And uh, he had to walk down the city streets and cry out and, cr and cry out, unclean, unclean. And this was a shame to him. He was separated. He was shamed. He was stripped of his power and of his office and of his authority and of all of his honor. As he was separated, as he was shamed, and he was stripped of all of that power, he also suffered. I tell you, gang, I see this all the time. Kids sit in a winter camp just like this. They just say, I'm gonna live my life however I want. They turn 18, they go to a little community college, they get their little techie job, and now all the world is open to them and they fall out on God and they literally become a statistic. This was a man that was defeated by all of his victories and he got to the point, he says, God, I don't need you, I can do this myself. And the punishment of God fell. It was swift, sudden, and it was severe, stripped of all of his honor and his majesty and his power and his authority. And he was shamed and he was separated. The end of verse 21 for he was cut off from the house of the Lord and Jotham his son was over the king's house judging the people of the land. He couldn't even finish out the last 10 years of his regency. In verse 22, now the rest of the acts, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers. And I was talking about souls. It's not talking about soul sleep. This guy died. Uzziah died and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper and Jotham and his son reigned in his stead. And man, here was a guy that went up like a rocket, but he came down like a rock. He would give the word, cities would be built, cities would be torn down. I mean, he was conquering land and he had power over all of the foes that had plagued Israel for all of these years and honor and majesty started to pour back in to Israel as Israel rose to the zenith of their power. But for everything that this man Uzziah did, we do not remember Uzziah for making Israel great again. We remember Uzziah tonight for his pride. And can I simply tell you this? Every single one of you got the same choice. 
every single one of you, you have this same potential that this man Uzziah had that God can do some amazing things with you. But man, if you fall into this powerful pitfall of pride, you fall in love with yourself, life becomes all about you. And then comes the shame, the suffering, the separation. And then comes that judgment, swift and severe and sudden. This is a downward ride of pride. The question is, we know how Uzziah's story ends. How does your story end? Are you gonna end the way Uzziah started or are you gonna end the way that he finished? Uzziah's story is over. He made his choice. Let me tell you, every one of you, you got the same choice as well. In the next few days, you're gonna sit and you're gonna hear the word preached and you're gonna hear some things that God's gonna challenge you and maybe there's areas of your life you're not right with God. And just like Uzziah, like Zechariah did, he was giving him the word of God. You're gonna get the word of God this week. You're gonna be confronted as long as Uzziah said, God, you're, control, you're the, the ruler and controller of my life. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Man, there was an incredible prosperity. Man, look what he did. But the minute you start stiff-arming God, that's when the punishment comes and a man's pride will always bring him low. The question is, how are you gonna end? And really what's amazing, in the book of Isaiah, the Bible says in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, in chapter six, he says, I also saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Let me tell you, even though the earthly throne was vacant, the heavenly throne is never vacant. And because there was a man that didn't choose to fear God, you know what? No one's irreplaceable. God was gonna raise somebody else up. God's not sitting there thinking, oh man, I wish that kid would really serve me and, and really do some incredible things. I guess I just have to quit. You know what? God's the king of the universe. He could raise up somebody else, but he delights in using people and we still have a God that's on the throne. And let me tell you, that God that's on the throne is bigger than any mistake you've ever made. There could be some kids here tonight, you say, preacher, you don't know the things that I've done. I don't know the things that you've done, but I know what he did. And 2,000 years ago, he stepped out of heaven in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and he walked this planet, never one time sinned. Jesus was nailed to a cross and they buried him and on the third day he rose again and proved that he had power over the tempter and he had power over the tomb and the power of a risen Savior can wash away any mistake you've ever made. God can use you in some tremendous ways. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But the question is, how are you going to end? What is your choice going to be? This week, would you not only come to every service with an open Bible, <clears throat> but would you come with an open heart? God, just show me maybe one thing in my life that needs a change, and then by your grace would I see victory. Man, if you could avoid this powerful pitfall of pride, I'm telling you, God can do some amazing things, but when you get into this pitfall, it's undefeated. And it will destroy you just like it destroyed Uzziah. God could use you in some incredible ways. May we all avoid this powerful pitfall.
Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.